Hey everyone, thank you all for joining us. Today we're going to be talking with Leilani Dyer about her newest project with HCNF, 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven is a spiritual story that looks at the intersection of life and death. It focuses on how one soul can bring hope and the meaning of life to another, even if they're just passing through. Casting for this project will take place on January 6th through 9th. And with me today is Leilani to give us some details on the project and talk a little bit about her inspiration for it. We also have Vinay, a co-founder of Hollywood Casting and Film. He's here to discuss the new services that HCNF will be offering along with this project and talk about some fun events coming up this month. And then joining us as well is Dylan Rogers and Vina Howard, two amazing actors and HCNF members who have both worked on Leilani's previous script with Hollywood Casting and Film called The Zoom Room Breakup. I'll go ahead and start. I am Vina Howard. Um, I've been acting professionally, I would say, for about five years. Um, four out of those five years, I've been in college. So on my breaks, any opportunity I was home, I was auditioning and just taking classes. So I recently just graduated um, back in 2019. And ever since then, I've just been full force full speed on working on my acting career full-time professionally. Yeah. So, well, I got my degree in psychology, not even anything to do with acting, but in a way they are connected, but yeah. Um, something big that I've done for me was last year I got to be on the shy. So that was really exciting. And then recently I just got to do one of Leilani's short films. So that was one of my first short, short films that I've done. So that was a super fun project to work on, especially for a first time. So that was really cool. Um, hi, my name is Dylan Rogers. Uh, my kind of career path has been a lot more like Venus. Uh, I've been in college for the past four years and that's kind of when I started my acting career and experiences. And I just got out May, 2020, great timing with coronavirus and the pandemic and everything, but I've been making the most of it. I've been doing a lot of self tapes, uh, during my career, I've been doing acting on the stage and on camera and just voiceover work, uh, just trying to get my hand into every pot and figure out how the whole industry works. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's a huge privilege to be in Leilani's, uh, the short film she just wrote, The Zoom Room Breakup. That was really, really fun. And to work with Vina and work on the writing and, you know, it was just a great experience. Well, I'll go next. I'm Leilani Downer and um, I'm a writer, uh, also producer, and I've done some directing. Um, I've been in the business quite a while now. Um, I, My first uh, opportunity as a writer uh, came on television and I worked on a show called A Different World. Uh, for those of you who may or may not remember it, um, it was a spinoff of The Cosby Show. And originally the title was the Lisa Bonet spinoff because they were gonna focus on Lisa as she went away to college. So that was my first writing job. And so my uh, career is pretty solid in comedy television. And I worked on a lot of the um, 90s shows, so I go way back. Um, but from there, I ventured out and done a few other things. Um, I, I write shorts, I write long form, which is feature films. And um, through my shorts, I was, uh, you know, got the opportunity to give myself the job of director. And um, I enjoy working with actors and I enjoy working with um, really, you know, uh, young talent, I guess I would say in terms of writers as well. 
Um, I also, uh, in my spare time, I teach at a, uh, a university. Uh, I teach comedy writing, and that's pretty rare uh, on uh, in terms of uh, classes that can be taken at a university or on the graduate level. But like I said, I do enjoy uh, teaching and working with uh, emerging talent. Okay, I'm Vinay Baggett. Uh, I'm the founder. I'm one of the founders of Hollywood Casting and Film. I'm more of the business end. Uh, I'm kind of like an MBA background. I uh, worked as a journalist for a couple of years as well, uh, but I've kind of bounced around and, and doing different things, uh, usually in the entrepreneurial realm, I guess you could say. Uh, and um, so I'm having a great time sort of um, uh, relaunching our, our service in a way you know, COVID has brought uh, a lot of challenges and changes uh, to the industry. So one of the things that we want to do, uh, you know, part of it is having uh, uh, Dylan and, and Vina on uh, at the same time, uh, but, uh, you know, make this service more of a communal service where all everyone that's creative within the city can get to know each other and you can sort of build your contacts, uh, you know, kind of like a LinkedIn for creative people type of thing. So this is the first um, first time we're trying that, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll start to uh, to help people make connections uh, wherever they live. So I'm looking forward to uh, to the first uh, roundtable. Great, awesome. Thank you all for sharing. And yeah, again, Vina, Dylan, glad that you guys are both here. Excited to have you on and kind of hearing a little bit about your story and like what you've done so far. Um, I was actually one of the casting directors with Zoom Room too, so I was kind of excited because I could just like reach back out to you guys and be like, hey, remember me? <laughs> so yeah, so it was really fun to kind of work with you guys on that and kind of see it come full circle and come back here to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Thinking of us, me, this is huge, so I'm really excited about it to just talk about yeah. it. Great. Great. So good. Glad to have all of you here. And uh, I, I know when I uh, first read Leilani's script, uh, the new one, 7-Eleven, I was kind of blown away by it. Uh, you know, it to me, it's, it's the type of stories I like to read. Uh, it had an amazing arc in like five minutes. Oh, you, yeah. you know, you're, you're introduced to somebody that's obviously going through something difficult. And, uh, and then goes through a, a pretty emotional experience. And the thing that, that struck me is that despite it being sort of supernatural and physical, it, the dialogue was just so realistic too. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the thing that, that I, I probably love the most. And um, so I don't know if we wanna begin with Leilani just kind of telling us uh, her inspiration. It's obviously a topical story, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, what, uh, what, was there a moment when you knew you had to uh, to write uh, the story, Leilani? And if, and if you could maybe uh, provide a brief synopsis for us. Uh, sure. Well, uh, the story um, is about a, a young woman who um, is kind of at her wit's end. She's um, grown weary and it's during, it takes place during the time of COVID. She's actually a nurse and um, she's seen her, she, what she hopes to be that her last patient die from COVID-19. And uh, it's what happens to her the next morning after she has that tragic night. And, um, you know, uh, she meets up, uh, not to give the story away, but she meets up with the, the man who actually died in her hands. 
Um, and uh, so the story goes on from there and where she goes emotionally. And um, when I was thinking about, uh, when I think about COVID, I think about, you know, what kind of stories are we gonna be telling once we're out of this, you know? And initially I always thought, you know, um, I hope we don't tell too many COVID stories because I think people will be tired of hearing them. We've lived it, you know, we wanna move on. We want to, as we always say, we want, want to get life back to normal. But I think that um, as artists, we reach a point where we realize that it's a story that needs to be told in some ways and um, trying to figure out how to tell it in the best possible way that maybe can um, give hope and inspiration, I guess, to move on to what comes next. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so uh, the story goes just so far. It doesn't go to the point where, you know, we get the vaccine or anything like that. But it's just the notion. I wanted to leave the reader or the viewer with a feeling of there's a sense of hope. There's a sense of a tomorrow for us. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where um, I, I started with the story. Um, what you know? What gave me the idea was just what's in the news every day. Um, I think um, I had just watched review um, with a nurse who was in tears on national television on one of the news networks. And it's just the toll that it takes on a person to go through the things that they're going through. And um, I thought, you know, um, you know, sometimes you think what you're doing doesn't matter. You know, uh, you're fighting the good fight and you're losing, you know. So I wanted to kind of give that character an opportunity to see the other side of it. And so right. that's where the story came from. Right. The thing that struck me was, um, you know, we're always looking for stories that allow actors to sort of flex new muscles, so to speak. And the scenario that you've written where, and uh, I'm going to probably give away a little of the story by, by talking about it, but, but I think it's important uh, where, uh, you know, someone comes back from the dead to, to talk to a person and they're having this very emotional conversation. I, I, I got excited thinking about, uh, you know, the opportunity that would give an actor to, uh, you know, uh, to, to say those lines and, and to kind of effectuate what you wrote. Um, if you were to describe the types of performances uh, that you're looking for in the story uh, what, what would you say uh, specifically? Well, I, I would start by saying that probably obviously uh, real performances, you know, heartfelt. Mm -hmm. um, what I hope the project would do for the actor who performs it is give them places to go, you know, kind of, uh, you know, not just uh, a one note or, uh, you know, uh, but give them the ability to play different parts of themselves or emotions, and then to re really reach in um, thoughtfully and, um, you know, come up with that, those real interpretations that would make it real. Because um, I think that there's different ways you can express the, you know, the words on the page. But, you know, of course, I, I really believe great actors uplift a pro any project, they can uplift it. And so that's, you know, what I, I'm leaning into is just those real heartfelt performances and, um, you know, finding uh, the different levels to take the, the, act, uh, 
the, the particular characters. Right, right, right. That's great. And uh, Dina and Dylan, have you guys uh, read the sides or the script? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> it feels like a, it feels like a very, I don't know if you were timing it for this time of year, but it feels like a, it feels like a Christmas short. It kind of reminds me of Scrooge um, or like a, like a ghost of Christmas past or future yeah. shows up and like tries to vote. I don't know if that's what you were going for, but that's just like what evoked in me. And like, it's so timely with COVID and everything going on. And it's not like, it doesn't try to be this big thing where it's like you're curing the pandemic, like you said, and the government's getting involved. It's this big conspiracy. It's just like this very tight, very intimate story between like two or three characters. And I just like, I love it. It's super easy to jump into for a short story. Thank you. I really didn't think about the Scrooge uh, aspect until after I had written it. Um, when I write shorts, I always think about a moment in time. I think that those are the best shorts that kind of take a snapshot of what's happening in a moment. And especially if you're writing a short short. So um, that's just what I was coming up with. But yeah, thank you so much. For the sure. Yeah, I think um, that's one of the things that I noticed, especially with the Zoom Room Breakup and this film as well, is how timely like you are. So like for the Zoom Room Breakup, like that call could have been an actual call for someone five minutes ago or even like 10 minutes from now. And then with this script, for me personally, like when I was reading it, I think it touched me on a personal level just with the spiritual aspect of the film just on heavily relying on God to just get you through, you know, especially during a time like this, you know, the first thing she says is like, God help me, you know, and like, we need that. I know I need that. And especially for me, like I just, I rely so heavily on, cause I don't know what is going on in life, what's gonna happen tomorrow. And I just need someone and looking to that spiritual leader to just get me through and to carry me on. So I really appreciated that with um, with this script, um, 7-Eleven. And um, I also felt like it brought another perspective for me as well. Like, I'm not a nurse, but reading the script, you know, you kind of got to do your research and it gives you that other perspective of what's going on. There's so many lives and so many people affected by COVID and everyone has so many different stories. And this one kind of just like snapped me in place with what's really happening, especially with these people who are on the front line and hearing some of their interviews, like they're describing this like a war, like these mm -hmm. hospitals are like, it's like a battlefield in there. And when we see on what we see on television, you know, we're just seeing numbers. We're seeing 300,000 and it's just easy to just think of these people as numbers, but like Rachel and this story and other nurses, they're seeing people. Like these numbers are individual people and individual lives that they're seeing. So I think it just offers, you know, just another perspective of what's going on. You know, it's more than numbers. Like these are people, these are lives. And there's more than just that that's being affected by it. So I appreciated it. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah, one, one thing that I particularly liked about it, it, and it sort of reminded me, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the show Six Feet Under on HBO. It came on, like, I guess, 20 years ago. Uh, but uh, 
that was watching that show is the first time that I can remember, uh, you know, kind of seeing like an apparition or a person come back from the dead and they weren't like a cartoon, you know, they were like a real person and they were having a conversation with another real person and it was, it was a cathartic thing. It wasn't like, you know, whereas on, on most things like Scrooge, it's like, I'm a spirit, I'm a cartoon and I'm gonna take you, you know, we're, we're gonna do something metaphysical. And this was just so personal. Uh, and yet it was, it was still spiritual and supernatural too. So that, that's the, it kind of reminded me a little of, of, I think it's the pilot episode of Six Feet Under where the character talks to his, his dead dad mm. and you learn about, you know, the, the, a, a huge chunk of the character development takes place during that conversation. So uh, that's what kind of struck me uh, about, the, uh, about this. It, it sort of was reminiscent of that. Yeah. It's also, I feel like um, without, you know, getting spiritual about it, um, the ghost character or whatever you'd like to call him is sort of like also could be like a subconscious too of like, um, you know, like, oh, I know these people know me and it's just like, oh, this is so hard, but I know deep down, like I need to be staying into this and I need to keep moving forward and keep going for everyone else and kind of putting yourself aside. So right. it kind of works right. on a different level like that. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say that I do come from a spiritual place as well. Like you, had. Um, you know, I was trying to play with a little bit with a lot of different things there. So I don't, I say that he's not a ghost. He's not a, uh, you know, he's, uh, not an angel, you know, because most of us think that when people go on, they become angels, but he's just a, like a spirit just come to, to be with her for a moment, you know, um, and God in his wisdom allowed for it, answered her prayer. So um, just playing a little bit with that. So uh, hopefully that someone can see something that they can grab onto through that. Right, right. Yeah, I, I can, um, I can envision um some pretty like emotional performances uh, when we shoot this uh, yeah i hope it'll so be, it'll be a good a good challenge perhaps. i look forward to it definitely right and uh and then jennifer um who do we have casting this uh yeah so for this one we actually have jazz and isabella casting it um yeah they're a really great team we always try to like incorporate like who's interested in what style Oh, great. casting for projects yeah we have a uh, a great casting director named leslie wolf you may know her she did a uh, she's done a couple of uh seminars with us uh she's going to be breaking down uh the characters in the story and sending out little tips as a, as a professional casting director what you should look for and what we hope to do is not only help you audition for this project but sort of give you like these little mini seminars or you know about how to prepare for line readings uh, in general so we'll be doing that in a few days as well i uh i was just wondering because i know you wrote uh you wrote on the fresh prince of bel-air obviously and like all these like crazy shows in the 90s yeah. i was wondering how did you notice your style kind of change throughout the time have you noticed that like you gravitate more towards like you were saying like um I think long form films or is like short stories kind of your wheelhouse or how things kind of changed? Well, I, I always like to say that writers can write anything if they put their mind to it. You know, if they study what the uh, genre is and figure it out, you know, 
you can kind of segue yourself there. Comedy is a little harder because with comedy, you kind of, there's a part of it that has to be, um, you know, kind of like in you, you know, to do comedy, but you can also find comedy if you work at it. So for me, what transitioned, um, uh, and I give seminars on this, is the fact that television started changing on us. You know, in the 90s, it was very popular to have those sitcoms and have fresh friends and hanging with Mr. Cooper and all of those things. But then uh, what happened was, uh, you know, uh, dramas came in very hot and heavy. And um, also you had reality television coming in. So comedy kind of went to the wayside. And as a result, a lot of uh, writers had to transition as well. And so, um, we had to learn how to do drama, um, some of us, and we had to go over to the long form because there was work in long form for a lot of the writers. And when you so, say drama, you mean like The Sopranos and stuff like and Breaking Bad, like these more cinematic TV shows? Yes, um, in fact, um, I worked on the show Sister Sister with a writer by the name of Terrence Winter. And Terrence went on to do okay. Sopranos, yes. Wow. So. He uh, really, I mean, can you imagine writing for these twin girls and then writing for The Sopranos after, afterwards and being very successful at it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, 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 we, you know, I, I guess I could say in some ways the transition was a result of business, but it was also trying to figure out how to stay creative in a time that was changing us, you know, like refashioning yourself for the industry that you loved working. So. Right. You know, also to, to follow up on Dylan's question, did did the style of comedy change too? Like, you know, when, when the laugh track sort of went out yeah. and you got shows more like um, uh, Parks and Recreation and, you know, right, right. Red Pan, did, did you have to dramatically change the way that you write comedy when that happened? Yes, um, I started working on what was called multi-camera comedy shows. So you had three cameras on a sound stage and they were shooting, they, they would travel from one set to the other. And most of the shows took place in three locations, the living room, the bedroom, and maybe the kitchen, okay? And every once in a while, the characters would venture outside, but that was a big deal, moving those cameras and, and equipment and all of that. Um, but um, so when these other shows started evolving, they were single camera shows shot much like a movie would be shot. And the writing, even on the page, the writing looked different. It, it looked like a, um, a film script as opposed to a television comedy script. Right. And so it was learning what that looked like. Mm -hmm. And now even with all the streaming that's going on, um, that's a different format as well, because mm -hmm. now you're not writing for, com you're not writing for commercials because mm -hmm. we would always write toward the commercial, the act break commercial. On a streaming show, you still have to have your act breaks, but you're not writing. Every act break has to have um, kind of like, you know, draw you into the next, but um, you're not worried about the commercial timing. And if you watch some of the shows that are on some, like a Netflix, um, one that you might uh, decide that you're going to, uh, you know, like uh, watch all of the episodes at once, um, you'll see that they're different uh, they, they don't all end in 30 minutes. Some shows will be 42 minutes. Some shows will be 37 minutes. So it's it's kind of like the wild, wild west when it comes to streaming, anything can go, but you know, th those things are dictated by 
what the market is and all and right now what the um, devices are as well and i know you you uh, recently wrote uh an episode of, of josie in the phantom do i have the name julia the phantom julia is that the type of show that has you know like 13 episodes and they all connect all the stories connect and yeah and shows i imagine that's a lot yeah. more intricate than just farming out one episode and telling a writer to, to do that like law and order or something. Yeah, that show has an arc and most shows do, you know, uh, even when we did, uh, you know, I worked on a different world and that had an arc and all of that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's designed that way. It could be a big movie, let's say. And when you, you pitch that show and sell that show, you kind of have to show Netflix that you have the longevity for it. They like to see two years worth of ideas for, and when I say two years, I mean two seasons. Right. And a season can be as little as 10 episodes. So, um, you know, kind of get some 20 ideas out there and create a show Bible so that they know where it's going and that your show definitely has an arc. Definitely, Julie and the Phantoms has an arc. It, li- it ends on a cliffhanger, uh, the first season. And so, um, you know, um, in terms of my writing for it, you know, I, I had to sit in a room with the other actor, other writers, I mean, and uh, we, I had to know what came before, what was coming after, what I was writing towards. So you kind of jump into the stream of it. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think overall, that's probably improved storytelling, right, for, because I, I know, like, you know, if you watch Law and Order, for instance, you could literally just be watching an individual movie and there's no connection with the next episode. But it sounds like um, people demand more of storytelling now. Like they almost expect there to be an arc to, to anything that you're you're watching. Right? right. When you binge watch, you know, they, you know, people do expect that. I mean, the, the popular show now is Queen's Gambit. If anybody yeah. has seen that. And, um, you know, everybody wants more, you know, but they, um, they somewhat ended the show. So it'll be interesting to see if they do a gambit too or whatever. But um, yeah, we, uh, we're getting used to that format. You know, we've been taught to like that format and to want to have uh, a format that we can binge. Because if you see um, some shows and um, even though Netflix is doing that or, or maybe Amazon, they premiere it once a week and they don't allow you the opportunity to binge it. So, you know, you kind of, you feel like you're being cheated a little bit because we're getting so used to binge watching our shows and enjoying them that way. Right, right. And and uh, Dylan and Vina, it seems like you guys are interested in, in the craft of writing as well. As, as actors, do you find that, uh, you know, learning about, about the craft craft of writing, directing, all the different aspects of filmmaking helps you in your career? And is that something you want to pursue more of in the future? Uh, Vivi, you can, yeah, take the floor. Oh, yeah. Um, I would say I haven't necessarily developed the skill of writing yet, but I do think that is probably something to venture off um, in the future. Just because one, as an actor, we're always looking for work, always looking for things to do and always, um, so why not just just write, write things into yourself and write stories. Um, And I've, oh, it's funny that you say, ask me that question because I've always liked writing. I remember as a kid, I used to write like these little crazy 
scripts for myself and friends, but they never developed into anything. But um, yeah, I think it kind of gives you a, a leg up as an actor, just sort of understanding the industry and how things work and and what's going on in different stories and there's different formats that are out there. So I think it just gives you better knowledge and understanding and just gives you another leg up, honestly. Really? Yeah, I mean, um, going off what Venus said, it's such a good tool, especially as an actor, to be able to write something where you could star in it or you can cast like other actors you know who, you know, aren't getting work, but you know they got the goods, you can have them be in it. And it's kind of a way to, um, at least from my perspective as an actor, it's a vehicle to kind of show people your craft, your skills, kind of show off to, to uh, audiences and potential, you know, agents. But um, the only writing I've ever really done is in like acting classes, like senior thesis classes, stuff like that. And the writing I have done outside of college, which has been very, very, very like little, very, far away from like a professional standard but it's um it's been a lot of like the corkboard stuff where you put like the cards up with the scenes and the beats and it's been like these little short stories I'm like Lonnie I gotta ask you um when it comes to writing like obviously with the zoom room breakup when with 7-eleven there's so much heart in it and I, I gotta assume a lot of that is just your personality injected into the script but like, how do you kind of take your ego out of writing? Like, how do you like, have you ever like offered up a script and someone just shreds it and you're like, like, geez, like I put my heart into that. And it just, it's, it's not connecting the way I want it. Like, how do you like kind of deal with that? Yeah, it's tough. And definitely, you know, I have been rejected uh, in my writing. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the line you'll get is I wasn't a fan. They'll say that, that, you know, that's the nicest way of saying. So passive aggressive. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, over the, over the years, honestly, Dylan, you get tough. You, you kind of like say, okay, not everybody's going to like everything I do. That's just the way it is. But, um, and, you know, it's hard to chase after certain things. It's hard to say, I'm going to write this and they're going to love it. And, you know, you can have, you can definitely believe in yourself, believe in your work. But, um, you know, you can't uh, allow from for somebody else to dictate what you your writing or how you feel about your writing. Mm -hmm. It's almost like being an actor. You know, you I'm sure you guys go out on a lot of parts all the time, and you know sometimes you know you nailed it, other times not so much. But that's not going to stop you, you know, and it's not going to stop you from showing your gift to other people. So that's, you know, how I explain it. You definitely get tough as the years go by. And there'll be times when people, you know, one person will totally not like what you do and somebody else will fall all over themselves to get close to what you're doing. So, um, you know, you just have to believe in, you know, what you're doing, what you're trying to put out there sure. and don't allow somebody um, else to dictate your future in terms of this industry. I had a friend that used to say to me all the time, you know, you decide, you decide what your career is going to be and when your career uh, ends, you know, or, you know, what you want to do, you know, don't leave it up to somebody else. Um, but it also means putting in the work and right. sticking to it if you can mm -hmm. to the best of your ability. It sounds like by getting tough, you also kind of like develop your style too. Like right. you develop your own distinct styles and the things you do that some people just really love to see. 
Yeah, as I've gotten older in the industry, I, I started realizing, you know, I had to have my own brand. I had to know who I was as a writer and what kind of things I wanted to write about. Because there's a lot of things out there that you can write about, but you, there's certain things that you gravitate towards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I had to discover. And then going back to the idea of our uh, actors writing for themselves or writing for their friends or whatever, I, I think that that's a good thing in some ways because I think that, um, you know, sometimes as an actor, you're always being sent out for the same old role and you know there's more that you can do. So if you were to open yourself up to even creating something for yourself that could show somebody, this is what I can do. This is what you did. You never even knew I could do. And, you know, if you could create something like that for yourself, that's a great way to go. I think um, for short films, um, short films do a lot. They can do a lot for the director. They can get the writer in position and they can also showcase an actor, you know, so those are the three entities that can really show themselves strong in a short film. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to tackle a big project right now. You could do a shorter project and um, express yourself in a way that you're not getting the opportunity to express yourself. Mm. Use it as a tool. I was wondering, because um, that kind of also goes what you just said, is I was curious on what sort of topics you find yourself writing the most um i mean just your rap sheet of shows that you've written on they're all such like they deal with such like real world problems especially problems and issues that african-americans face um so i was just wondering what sort of topics do you do you like to write the most well i like to write what i like to look at you know i guess um so i do i i do gravitate toward the uh, romantic story as well. Um, I do a lot of that. I like dramas, um, you know, the, the courtroom, that kind of thing, reality. Um, you know, I like to watch those, uh, you know, like Dateline type things, you know, just to get real stories that are out there. So I like to write from, from reality and truth. Um, and uh, so, you know, those are high uh, relationship type of character driven um, you know, uh, projects. That's what I like a lot. Um, so yeah. And I, and I want, you know, I definitely want to do more of, uh, expressing, you know, telling stories that deal with who I, who I am, you know, as an African-American person, you know, or a person of color, getting more of those stories out there and telling stories that nobody has ever heard about, you know, um, and that's always easy when you work in television because you, you're a gun for hire and you write what they write, want you to write. But it's when you start doing your own projects again and working that you can show a level of work that nobody else has seen when you start creating your own work. Do you ever think, um, oh, I'm sorry, but I did. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was wondering, um, and I'm sure that the industry has probably changed in, in terms of how you submit and other streaming services out there too, but you mentioned the show Bible and you mentioned, you know, most streaming services are looking for two seasons worth of work. So does that mean you're writing out two seasons of a show before you even pitch it to a network? Or are you getting like test footage for a show or how does that work? Not necessarily. You know, I, I belong to what's known as the Writers Guild of America. Okay. And there's certain rules that they have um, you know, when you go in to pitch a show, you don't have to bring in everything 
about that show, but you would pitch the pilot to them. And that would also include the characters and the world in which your characters live in. Mm -hmm. And once you get the green light, you know, that's when you go forward and you start creating um, the entire landscape. Now, not every streaming service wants two years. Netflix wants two years. That's what, you know, we've been told. Um, and so when we say two years, it's not that you have to write two years worth of episodes. You just have to come up with ideas. This will happen. And then this will happen. And again, it's going back to what Vinay was talking about, that arc for the series, you know, because, you know, uh, like, uh, for example, if you were doing um, Friends, let's say, and Rachel, you know, um, you, you want to, to get her and Ross together. And that would be the arc of the series that by the end of the series, they'd be married. Mm. So um, you're just telling them this happens here. And then this happens at the end of the first season, they realize, you know, that they're in the, the wrong relationships. And then, you know, that's when they first, you know, see each other. So okay. that's how you would write it in the two, you know, and then the Bible itself is basically just the world and the characters and, and those kinds of things that you would put in, into it. It's like but a codex don't... for the series. Exactly. But I mean, you don't do that until you get the green light because the guild is always about, you know, not working for free, <laughs> you know, right. trying not to work for free and trying not to um, put yourself out there in a position where you've done all of this work and then they say, no, we don't want it. You know, mm -hmm. you give them, you know, to the point where you get the green light and then you go forward. Okay, so you really are pitching it like this giant movie or this um, series, like a giant. Yeah, you know, you, you definitely pitch the, the, you know, when you go in, you pitch the characters, that's uppermost, the world, and then the pilot, what happens in the pilot. Oh. And um, basically, you know, when I, I talk to, um, you know, students or whoever is trying to do this, you know, you always want to create a situation where your main character, your protagonist, either has a problem or a goal that they want to solve, you know? Um, and then that's kind of like the genesis, that's the start of what you're, you're starting to think about when you're creating your shows. Um, you know, like um, if you were to name any series on TV right now, you know, it started with either a problem or a goal that the, that the main character wanted. And hopefully it's an interesting main character that, you know, you know, the, uh, the, the networks and the, and the studios are always looking for something different. So it's something that's thinking outside the box. Maybe we haven't seen it before. Um, and um, that's where you, you jump off at. I think I remember uh, when they were trying to sell the show Breaking Bad, the, the, the tagline was something like, you know, Ward Cleaver turns into Scarface or something like that. <laughs> and then, but then that that ended up telling you the arc as well, right? Right, right. And his his problem was he had cancer, yeah. and he uh, was a, a underpaid teacher, underrespected, and he wanted to leave his family something. You know, so that was like the 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 point that got him to where he ended up at you know so it started with with a problem mm -hmm. and a goal yeah. well, great so uh i think uh we've uh we've covered uh, a lot of great stuff uh this morning and we won't take up more of, of your time but first of all um lena and dylan thank you so much for joining us uh it was 
you guys asked some great questions, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was nice to hear. And we hope to get uh, all of our actors a little more involved with the folks that we work with on a monthly basis. So uh, this was a great debut uh, of that. And uh, just a quick plug for everyone that's listening. Uh, we're going to be sending out a link to Mighty Networks. If you haven't joined our Mighty Networks page, uh, go ahead and do that uh, because we post all of the uh, podcasts and articles and all sorts of things that we're working on on that uh, platform. And uh, But anyway, Jennifer, thank you for organizing this uh, as well. And I do want to say, I also want to add that it's fun to sit across from the actors and talk to you and actually meet you outside of the script. So um, I'm, you know, it, it's you been a treat for me. Secretly hoping that you were going to be on set for the Zoom room right now. <laughs> <laughs> Another time, right? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. good to um, see you and hear your thoughts. So that's yeah. really awesome. Okay, thanks everyone. Thank yeah. you. Thank, Thank you for having you. us.